welcome to La Vida Las Vegas podcast. We're two physical therapists living the life in Las Vegas. I'm Dr. Erica. And I'm Dr. Joe. We created this podcast for two reasons. First, to connect the healthcare, wellness, and fitness communities in Las Vegas. And second, to highlight all the amazing people we've met along the way. Thank you for listening. And remember to take care of yourself. Today's guest is Joe White. Joe talks about his career path from working at a gas station, working as an EMT in Atlanta, to eventually becoming a physical therapist. Joe discusses how he currently uses his undergrad degree in history. Welcome to La Vida Las Vegas podcast. We want to take some time for this episode to introduce slash reintroduce ourselves. We are 20 plus episodes into La Vida Las Vegas podcast and Today, we're going to have a chance to uh, talk to Dr. Joe White. So we're going to ask him some questions, even though we see him on a daily or weekly basis, I should say, and ask Joe some hot fire questions. So Joe, why did you choose Las Vegas? Chose Las Vegas. Uh, I came and visited you while you were on a clinical rotation out here. And then we hung out, went around the city, that's the first time, or maybe second time, I think I'd ever been to Vegas. We went for a friend's wedding uh, previous. Uh, it was, and then when we were, we were always talking in, in PT school, where are we going to live? That was the question. And then you said, how about Vegas? And I thought you were joking at first, because, uh, you know, nobody lives in Vegas, is what everyone thinks. That doesn't live in Vegas. But then it turns out that a lot of people actually do live here, and there are suburbs, and it's pretty normal outside the Strip. Uh, so after seeing that for a little bit and then uh, experiencing it and we visited a few more times, uh, then just decided that, uh, yeah, I come live in the desert. Nice. So how did you get your start and, you know, why did you get into PT and kind of tell us your story about your career path? So definitely a non-traditional student. I've been to school probably three or four times, maybe, maybe more. Uh, I started in undergrad in 2000 initially and then I changed my major about three times. I, I was getting pretty close to a psychology degree and then ended up not uh, finishing. Took a break from school. I worked a variety of jobs for a while. Uh, so I worked everything from working in gas stations to working in fine dining. Uh, worked in a mill shop for a little bit. So did a lot of different, different jobs. And then decided I want to be a firefighter slash EMT. So I went to EMT school in, I think that was around, oh, Five oh six, and then became an EMT. I started working in that field for a few years. I went to paramedic school, or started paramedic school. I finished one semester and decided that I didn't want to do it anymore. But at the same time, I was applying for fire departments. Um, got close for Walton County Fire, uh, which is a really small fire department. They are probably a lot bigger now, uh, but at the time they were pretty small. And then. After that, I decided I wanted to go back to school. And at first, I thought I wanted to be a history professor. So I went back to school and started with like the history path. Um, and then I had looked at exercise science, but ended up not doing it. But I, uh, at the school that I was going to, they had a category of classes that could apply for anything. So after my first, I think, year back, I decided that I wanted to be a physical therapist. Uh, and I was, uh, I think I had just started working in a gym at the time. I was coaching and then. I decided that it, I, I'm going to continue 
this this path of, of coaching. So when I was coaching, people would come up and they'd say, like, my shoulder hurts or my knee hurts. And I wouldn't know why. I would have no answer for that. So I felt like I should. Started doing research online, found out that physical therapy was a thing. I didn't have any friends that were physical therapists. Um, I didn't really know much about it. So then <clears throat> I finished my history degree. So I actually do have a degree in American history. But I was able to put in all the prerequisite courses into those, like, random areas of, of classes. So I took like nutrition and some exercise science and, and all those. So it was weird because I got to know the kids in the history club and then I knew like kids on the science side of things too. So when I was in <clears throat> in school, I, I knew people on both ends of the aisle. It was pretty different. Uh, yeah, so then I did that and then <coughs> went and uh, then I went to PT school after that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So you said you've had a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. Besides being a physical therapist, what has been your favorite job? That's tough. Um, so there, I would say, uh, I don't know, as far as jobs that I really liked the people at, I've had a few. Uh, when I worked at the gas station, you pretty much worked alone, like because uh, I worked overnights. So that was not my uh, favorite, uh, but it did teach you to be really fast and to multitask, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but... When I worked at the uh, the fine dining restaurant, I met a couple people there that I'm still friends with to this day. Uh, and then when I worked at, uh, I worked for a industrial supply company as well. And that one had a lot of cool people at it. And uh, some of them I still talk to. So that was a, I learned a lot too working at that job. Mm-hmm. And you talked about your history major. So let's talk about your favorite period of time in history. I would say World War II. That's what I did most of my studies on. And uh, there's a group called the OSS, which was uh, an interesting group that was made by this guy named uh, Bill Donovan. And it, it was a, a group that was kind of like the uh, precursor to what would later become like the CIA. Uh, but this group did a lot of different things, and they were very non-conventional at the time. Like they hired professors uh, to as like spies. They hired a lot of women, which at the time was like not as common is now to be spies. Uh, the guy that was the head of it was like very insightful. Uh, like he, he could see, uh, you know, if you hire women and, and train them as spies, then get them hired as a secretary at, at somewhere no one will suspect them. And then meanwhile, they're like stealing documents in the middle of the night or doing something, you know, some secret squirrel stuff. It, it was, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, the, in the, sometimes the book can get hard to get on that subject over time, depending on which one it is. So what's something during World War II that, as you researched, you realize it's very different or some people might not know about uh, during that time? As far as, like, something that would be contrary to common knowledge Mm -hmm. for history? Mm -hmm. Mm, I think that uh, not – they would – you would assume that everybody was – fighting, but it's really like small groups of people that did the majority of the fighting. So there's a a ton of different groups that are like support elements and that deal with logistics and transport, like all kinds of stuff. So when you would look at uh, like all the movies, it shows like just the small percent of the people that are actually like on the front lines doing the fighting. And And I'm assuming that's probably common to like nowadays too. Like not everyone that was, you know, World War II or was in World War II was always on the front lines. Okay. So like the support people or like the back, the things that are happening in the background is essentially what was not portrayed on 
news channels or modern day TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just don't see it as common. Uh, I mean, sometimes there's there like books about it, uh, but there are, of course, there are like all different kinds of uh, different things that always occur behind the scenes that people don't just get credit for. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in movies, you know, there's like tons of people working behind the scene, but you just see Iron Man doing something, so you don't really see all those people. Mm-hmm. So in general, you know, history is either loved or not interesting to some people. Well, why do you, why do you think that history is so important? Because uh, I don't think that people have really changed as much as everyone thinks. Like think people think that we've, I mean, we've come a long way technology-wise, but people are still people, and people still do things based on necessity, greed, whatever the reasons. Like they don't really change. The situation changes. So uh, history is almost also like a kind of a course in sociology at the same time. Like when you're seeing like, well, why did people do this? Uh, so not only does history tell you why things are the way they are now, so people will say, oh, that's dumb. Like, why Why is it done this way? Well, there's probably a reason for it. You know, like most things develop over time, and then they they morph into whatever they are. And it's not always the most efficient thing. It's just that like that's like how it is or how it, how it went uh, along that path. Uh, so, but people also, like they say, if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. That's a very common phrase. But I do think that's, a very, that's very true because when you look at how uh, people deal with controlling large groups of other people, or if you look at how people, uh, like, it just doesn't change. Like, you could look at the same story, and you could find examples throughout history of things just occurring over and over and over. Uh, so I, I feel like it's good to learn, because uh, then it kind of gives you warning signs to look out for for some things. Um, it teaches you that no matter how nice and safe this world is, or it looks, like things can change really quick. And I think a lot of people have experienced that with this year, and they kind of got a taste of, you know, like, what if my Amazon package doesn't show up in two days? It, you know, they, I think, uh, I think we've has a huge, there's a huge disconnect between that. And I feel like history is, uh, it's not taught as, as much in schools as they, they really should. I mean, they, they've interviewed millennials or kids and asked them, like, common things throughout history, and they just don't even know about it anymore. So I, I don't know how the curriculums are set up, but it's kind of sad. Now, while you're in PT school, how do you think your study of history and your background in, in American history has influenced the way that you look at things in whether PT school or in life? Like what, what has that done for you? Well, I guess it does a few things. Uh, for one, it teaches you to, to read long books uh, I had to read a lot being a history major, but I really enjoyed it. It also teaches you to read things, but try to like look at the purpose of it or to look at the overarching theme. So when you're looking at something that occurred, like there's a major big event that happened, and then there, you know, has some outcome for the future of, of whatever it is that that led to. But then when you're looking at um, like the people that are involved, or you're looking at all these different like subsections of it, I mean, you could really nerd out and dissect. Like, well, how did people get food during that time? Or, like, how did people cook their own food? Or what were they eating? Like, for World War II, for that example, like, well, soldiers on the front line, well, how are they getting food? And you could research that and, and spend forever on that one thing. I mean, I've had some history professors that they had to learn a foreign language just to study the thing that they were, uh, like, the thing that they uh, specialized in. So that that's, that's pretty interesting. But then when you go to PT school, I think that that, Looking at things with that level of scrutiny might be too detrimental because like, I always want to know why or how things operate or how they work. But you don't always have time to do that when your goal is just to uh, pass a test or your goal is to 
learn things at a surface level, uh, depending on the topic. Uh, but that that's tough for me because I learn it. And I always want to know the why. Yeah, and that's definitely tough. And you know, as you learn something, just understanding the basics is is where you want to be at, and then you can specialize later on in different different lights, whatever whatever that may be. How do you like to spend your time in Las Vegas? Well, uh, I don't gamble, but I do like walking around the casinos. Like I like the atmosphere of it, and I enjoy being in that environment. Uh, even though I don't necessarily like really big crowds, I enjoy walking around the casinos, I guess, because it's still kind of an activity where you're walking, but you get to see a lot of different things uh, going on. That's always really interesting to me just to watch what everyone's doing. Uh, but the gambling part is not really is interesting to me. I'd rather go and find restaurants I like along the strip. And then as I'm walking, like stop and eat food at those restaurants. That's the part I, I really enjoy for that. And then, of course, you know, the hiking and the outdoor activities here are, are pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, there's tons of climbing to do and propelling or canyoneering. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just pretty much anything outside that you can do. So what is canyoneering? So canyoneering is, uh, I guess, kind of an over, my understanding of it is that's an overarching term for uh, you are trying to make your way through a canyon with a group of people, and it's about the problem solving of how you go through doing that. So there is a lot of rappelling, but it normally involves a lot of hiking either on the front or the back end. Because if you're repelling and changing your, um, what do you call it, above sea level, if you're changing your elevation at all or decreasing your elevation, you have to find some way of getting out or getting up to whatever that was that you just changed your elevation for. So sometimes getting there is the fun part when you might have, you know, hours of a hike to hike into where the canyon is just so you can uh, go repelling. Then it also involves things too where you might be, like helping other people down rocks or you can like push people in the rocks to slow their descent. Um, sometimes if there's someone that's a better climber, you might send them first because uh, they have a better chance of getting, you know, doing whatever the obstacle is and then they can help other people get down or help carry your stuff. And sometimes you have to swim. Like, so there's some canyons that have uh, water in them and water is normally pretty filthy because it doesn't see a lot of sunlight and doesn't always get washed through a lot. And, uh, but that's also fun too. So you might drop off a rope and then have to swim for a little while carry your stuff with you and then set up at the next uh, rappel point. What has been your favorite canyoneering trip or canyoneering hike? I'm pretty bad about remembering the names of the locations that we go to, but the one that I really liked was when uh, we did have to rappel and then like drop off the rope into the water from there and then, uh, you know, swim to the next part. We did that multiple times that day. So it was, and I was the only one that didn't have a wetsuit. Uh, so, or was I the only one? Maybe one other person didn't have a wetsuit. But it, was, it gets pretty cold. Uh, so it was like, by the time you felt like you're almost starting to get warm, then it was time to go swimming again. Was that in the subway? That might have been. Okay. So the Brussels Gulch one mm. is your favorite one then? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, that was fun. Mm. So that one goes to the subway just to kind of tell people about. So in Zion, that there's an iconic picture and iconic uh, canyon called the subway. So this one that we went to, it, it required a permit, but yes, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. And what's something you've learned and wish you'd known sooner? I'd say I'm still working on it, but uh, budgeting your time is probably one of the most important things that you can do. So that's something that is difficult for me because uh, I lose track of time really fast. 
probably because I could get too much involved in the details for things. Uh, but you really can accomplish more if you do have a better plan for things. So on the days when I've made a plan and somewhat stuck to it, I definitely do accomplish more. And sometimes that means ignoring other things, and that is the hardest part is, uh, you know, ignoring other things that you're, that you feel like you're supposed to be doing in exchange for completing that one task. Mm-hmm. Now, what's something you commonly see in your practice and you wish more people knew about it? And yet it doesn't have to be physical therapy related. It can be anything. I'd say for physical therapy, uh, one thing is that there are a lot of times when you can actually do something about what you have going on. And I feel like that is not believed by a lot of people and everyone thinks that they have some genetic anomaly or that like they're just born with it and that's why their shoulder hurts. You know, a lot of times it's something that they're doing that's causing it. You just have to pick it apart and figure out what it is. So I I would say that I, I wish people understood that you're not, I mean, everyone's unique in their own way, but they're not so unique that their pain is attributed or their issues attributed to some weird genetic uh, abnormality. I'd say the vast majority of times, it's like something you're doing that's causing your issue. You just have to figure out what it is. Got it. And what's your steps to figure that, figure out what that is? Well, you definitely have to ask the person uh, because they will, they won't tell you unless you ask. And if you're uh, one of our professors said, if you ask people correctly, they'll tell you what's wrong with them. And that that's very, very true. Uh, I've had, had a patient before that, we went through every, like most of the stuff I could think of she had to do throughout the day. I was just asking her what tasks she had to do. Uh, she had a shoulder issue. She said she'd feel better whenever we worked on it and whenever she was in the clinic, but then it would come back after a day or two. So then she, she said, well, you know, I, I get up, you know, I do dishes and stuff. And we went over that. And I'm not just, so we looked at each task she had to do and that didn't see any problem with it. Like we actually literally went over like movement patterns of how you'd put stuff on a shelf. So I finally thought, well, you know what, just, Take me through your normal day. Like, let's see what it is. And then she's like, all right, you know, get up, make food, wash dishes. Okay, we covered all that. And then what do you do after that? She's like, then I go sit at my computer for about six hours and play solitaire. Oh, well, there, there's your problem. Like, that, that's the, the thing is that she's sitting there all day with her arms stuck in that position for six hours. Uh, so, and that's why she would get better and then get worse. And it just kept flip-flopping. But she had no idea that that would be something that could cause her issue. And of course, it's up to me to find it, but my questioning wasn't specific enough where I uncovered that. And I had probably worked with her for at least three weeks, maybe by that time. So it teaches you to maybe sometimes dig a little bit deeper or to spend more time really talking to the person if you have it, just to make sure that you're not missing something that to you would be blatantly obvious as a PT, but to that person that they have no idea <laughs> that, that, that it's something they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And I think sometimes if you're learning something or don't have that education, it's very easy to like, all right, well, I don't know any better. And there's sometimes there's just things that you're learning about yourself or a new skill that you're learning and you just have no idea that, that that's, an actu- that's something that's causing an issue. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to believe. It, like as a PT, you don't always think of everything that you're telling somebody as a skill, but it's not always, it's very infrequently common knowledge for somebody. So if somebody says, you know, my shoulder hurts and you're just watching them do something, you're like, well, it's probably that thing that you're doing right there, like how you're picking stuff up or, you know, how you're lifting overhead. I'm like, that's probably what it is. But after a while, you just, you see it, it becomes more apparent uh, mm-hmm. when you're looking for it, I guess. Well, and uh, you have a, a, pers- a third, per- third party perspective, right? It's, mm-hmm. As like, hey, this is, someone's looking into your life and looking at the scenario and 
someone can easily say, oh, this is what's wrong with it. Like, for example, if you're on a mountaintop and you're having trouble getting out of it, it's because you have some perspective and someone can tell you, like, all you have to do is take a right, you know, and then people right. figure it out, but they just aren't in that scenario. So I yeah. see how that, that goes, too, and you, you see a lot of... Um, like comedy shows that are do that where the people are yelling and screaming at you, but mm-hmm. they just... <laughs> it's like a Monty Python skit. Yeah. yeah. Good. What's something you are working on, whether that's professionally, personally, physically, or mentally that you're excited about? I'm working on trying to read more, uh, but re- doing it with the purpose of learning specific things. So I'm reading uh, about finance currently because that's something that I'd, I've never really had schooling in uh, before, so I'm trying to learn that. Uh, Shout out to James. Yep. And uh, James gave us an excellent book. He was on one of our previous shows, and I uh, really like that one a lot. Uh, also getting back and just reading history uh, a little bit more, I, I really enjoy it. So even if it's a small amount per day, uh, that, that's really, uh, really enjoy doing that. And just learning things in general. I mean, if it could be like a YouTube video comes up on like physics or something, I definitely want to watch it like when I see it uh, previewed. So I guess just any type of learning, I get excited about it. Very nice. Now let's talk about your favorite cheat meal. Oh, that's tough. I see my nachos are one of my favorite things because you can make nachos out of anything really as long as you have some chips. So nachos are amazing, uh, but I also like donuts a lot. And out here there are some pretty good donut places uh, that I've been impressed with. Like Pink Box is good, and then uh, I forget the other one that's off of Sunset. Uh, that one's pretty good, too. Carl's Donuts. Mm-hmm. Solid choice. Yep. Donuts are amazing. And I love coffee, too. So like that's a perfect pairing with donuts and coffee. Very nice. Now, what would you like to leave listeners with? Um, I would tell people it's not too late to do things. Uh, I was a non-traditional student. And I was probably about 10 years older than the average kid that was in our class. But you actually, it seems like a disadvantage being older. And it does feel like that sometimes. But with being older, you normally have more patience and you're, you're normally a little bit more like gristled and like you've, you've kind of learned more about how the world works. So sometimes that helps uh, clear your mind for the approach sometimes. Like sometimes your perspective will be actually something that would be beneficial uh, if you allow it to be. So, you know, don't just think you're too old for stuff. And I still catch myself doing that sometimes too. Uh, but it's uh, it's okay to start new things. And it's okay if you want to take up a new hobby. You know, you can definitely do that at any time. It doesn't matter. So how can people find you? Well, our, uh, you can email me at joe at whitewongpt. And our Instagram is at whitewongpt. And our Facebook is at whitewongptvegas. So any of those references, if somebody wants to find me. Well, thanks, Joe. Nice to reintroduce ourselves and get to know you a little bit better on the show. So, but thank you for coming and answering these questions. Absolutely. We'd like to thank you for listening to La Vida Las Vegas podcast. We hope you enjoyed the time with our guests as much as we did. It would help us out so much if you could share, subscribe, or review our podcast or any combination of the three. Thanks again, and remember to take care of yourself.